Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to Screen Heroes. This is episode 86. I am Derek, one of your three regular hosts. I have my two co-hosts with me, Ryan. Hello. And Ray. Hello. How are you guys doing? I'm doing all right. How are, are you? Good, good. Doing doing good. I've been working on our first ever special monthly Patreon video where we're, uh, we acted out a scene from a movie. Yep, we did. And... Uh, That'll be coming out on Saturday if you're a patron. If you're one of our uh, Patreon patrons, you'll get early access to it. Patreon.com slash Heroes Podcast. You can see some posts about that too. There's a couple public posts to kind of give some hints about what it might be. It was a good time. I thought it was a lot of fun. The early podcast pitch instead of the post-podcast pitch. I like it. Well, I've been working on it. You know, I was working on it yesterday, you know, and stuff like that. So, you know, just trying to get it ready to go. But, uh, yeah, so... um, do we have anything in the news to cover? Um, John Boyega debuted the first Jagger poster for Pacific Rim Uprising. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it looks really great. Um, I love John Boyega. The fact that he's in this makes me want to see it even more. I mean, already we were probably going to oh, yeah. <clears throat> review yeah. that one because of the nature of the film and the nature of our podcast, but... It just seems like it. I don't know. I love John Boyega. Well, he plays. <laughs> uh, I love him. He's playing the son of Idris Elba's character from the first movie. Is Idris Elba? So, which is really cool. So, Ray has not seen the first movie. I Why guess. would you out me like that, brah? So, this is rude. Now the whole internet knows. Because I need no. you to watch it. We have to watch it. I've asked you know many times. We have to watch this movie. Okay. It's fantastic. It's giant robots punching giant monsters. Yeah. This is about to be an argument while I'm so on the podcast. Great. Nah, we're oh, okay. fine. A, we're I'll, keep fine. Pu- I'll keep pushing it. There's a okay. speech that rivals the Independence Day speech. I don't know if I can <laughs> There is a speech. <laughs> there is a speech. <laughs> All right. So, small thing. Uh, Derek launched a Star Trek podcast this week. Well, we will be. Okay, so they recorded their first episode. They've planned everything out. They have a logo. They have theme music. They have a so, song and dance. They're ready. No, no, no dance. It's, there is, but it's not a video podcast, so you don't get to see it. So if you want to picture me dancing during the episode, you That's can. That's for patrons. So, $20 or more a month. <laughs> Here's what I'm thinking. We initially planned a Star Trek episode for the mid-season break for Discovery. And now that there's a Star Trek podcast, I don't want to snatch a full episode from you guys. Oh, okay. So I wanted to just talk briefly with you two and get your opinions on both Star Trek Discovery and the Orville, which is essentially Star Trek, the way Galaxy Quest was Star Trek. You know, it's... You want to do that now? Yeah, just a small little quick tidbit. Ryan hasn't seen Discovery, but he's seen more of the Orville than we have. So we can go a little bit back and forth. Okay. Just a quick, you know... News is a little boring today. Sure. Just a quick tidbit for our listeners who've tuned in for Star Trek in the past. Okay, Ryan? I figured we'd go after the actual Star Trek show. Sure, okay. What was your impression of uh, just quick from Discovery? Uh, So first off, uh, Discovery episodes one and two, which were the premiere, uh, acting was very good. The production quality was superb. Uh, The show looked really great. Um and uh, other than that, you know, I have a few caveats. It, it was a little, a little boring. It was a little slow. Um, it was a little choppy. Uh, there's some, you know, trekky nitpicking I can do, of course. But if you want my full thoughts on that, uh, check out the first episode of Red Shirts and Runabouts. What a cute little name! Which premieres this Thursday. You September. know, you could have named it Red Shirts and Rebels, and it could have been Star Trek and Star Wars, and then you would never have like a dry well. 
We have 728 episodes and 13 movies across seven series. Oh, I thought you were talking about the podcast. I think we're good. 728 (laughs) episodes already? I think we're good. I think we'll be okay. Uh, If we get to to that point, then uh, I think it might be time to retire. But uh, our first... I'm saying the three of you are notorious fanboys for both. And that's kind of rare. Not everybody is, you know, both. Yay! People yeah, like to true. pit them yes. up against each other. So. That, that is true. I'm not, I'm not a fan of people that do that. I find them very different. Uh, but you can catch the first episode of Red Shirts and Runabouts uh, this Thursday, September 28th. Will you guys be discussing Galaxy Quest and the Orbital <laughs> on it? Uh, we might at some point. I feel yeah. like you should. Not in the first episode. The first episode was more introductory. We talked about uh, what got us into Trek, and then we talked about the premiere of Discovery. Okay. As well as a little bit about the first episode of After Trek, which is the talk show that's basically The Talking Dead, but for Star Trek. Um, so that that is coming out. You can find the first episode at heroespodcast.com or blogtalkradio.com slash redshirtsandrunabouts. Um, and it will eventually be on iTunes and Google Play. So what is your first impression of the Orville? Uh, I thought it was super fun. I thought that uh, tonally it was perfect. It was a great mixture of, of comedy and sci-fi. The ship is just beautiful, um, which is assisted by the fact that it's a real model. It's like a real th- like three or four foot ship model, which was great. Um, you can definitely tell that they, they can't pour a ton of money into the show from a set perspective. But the makeup all looked really good. The uniforms looked really good. The story was really fun. And the actors were really great. So I've, I've loved the Orville so far. Ryan. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that the first episode and probably <clears throat> the second episode, too, kind of struggled in, a, in a t- for tone. So I disagreed I with Derek that. a little bit on that. How dare you, sir? Um, but I think the third episode, it starts to find its stride. And, uh, and I definitely like where it's going. I, I didn't like a lot of the forced like uh, couples drama that was i think a little felt a little unnecessary and forced but yeah. um i do like adrian palicki i think she's great and uh seth mcfarland has done some good stuff not my favorite but i think he's doing well in his role and in a lot of the other characters the security officer i'm not Lotus? sold on yet no 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 oh. uh, that's a girl that, the sorry. girl the like vulcan knockoff I thought she was cool. Right. I think the idea of her is really cool. I'm just struggling, like, with the character right now. I just don't think they're actually, like, the actress is doing a great job. Not, I'm not really buying it okay. at this point. I thought that but, from the pilot. Yeah, I the pilot was, was the worst Both of them one. are just very... Bordis is okay. He wasn't great in the pilot, but he's kind of picking up steam now. And also, I've told you this before, but the, whoever it is that voices the robot sounds exactly like Data to me for some reason. The guy, really? Yeah, I'm I not, feel like I'm not really I feel like that. he's going for that, which is okay. great. But yeah. whatever, maybe. Seems like a really fun show, though. I'm, yeah. I'm excited Absolutely. about it. Uh, I still think it's hilarious that Fox was able to put out a Star Trek show before CBS and a better uh, one, arguably <laughs> at this point, since they have a similar number of episodes. Um, I mean, in different ways. Definitely the production value on Discovery is higher. They've got $8 million an episode. Better to, looking to ships with, so. in the non-Star Trek show. Um, I love the Orbital. Better looking prosthetics in the non-Star um, Trek show. I think show. that depends yep. because Saru... Oh! Now, hang on, okay. Saru, Doug Jones's character, Saru, looks pretty phenomenal. So one character on the show looks But he's really the regular. Handsome. Okay, so... so the... is the regular. <laughs> yeah, he looks great. The the Orville wins out for me on this because they did fewer prosthetic characters. Just in the third episode, the, there's a lot more in the main cast. Now, unfortunately, with Discovery, we're not even introduced to the entire main cast yet in wow. the first two episodes, which I think is dumb. Weird. Yeah, it's weird. This was definitely it, a prelude. Um, but on the ship. They had four or five characters in prosthetics just right then and there. And everybody on the Shinzao or Shinzu uh, looked amazing. They were all done really well. The Klingons were a huge issue for me. And I don't care how they look. I really don't. That's not like where I'm going to go with this. I'm upset because I could see the prosthetics. And they're some of the best makeup artists on that show. So that's unacceptable for me. Um, I also have a problem with them putting bottom teeth on the Klingons because you can't 
hear them. It really does sound like I said this on my social media that I it sounded like they were talking through peanut butter the entire time. I, I believe you used different terminology, I did. but yeah. I can't understand anything they're saying. You know, that guy said his name to Kuvma like eight times, and if it hadn't been for the captions, I wouldn't <laughs> have understood it. I'm not going to get that far. I definitely felt like it was difficult to understand them at times, but since they're speaking Klingon, it doesn't really matter. So I don't, Wait, speak, you don't speak Klingon. I do no, not speak Klingon. I mean, Worf and the sisters enunciated so much better. You're, so you're right. That matters. If they to didn't me. have fake bottom teeth, and that's, it wasn't Michael Dorn. Uh, I I feel like that's a a misstep. That's all I'm saying. That's fair. That's like, fair. I don't care about the design choice. The Klingons can look however they want them to look. So far, this is the fourth look that the Klingons have had, I... and I'm okay with that. Whatever. <sighs> okay. It is. Um. Sort of, but I guess we um, get into Trek like Well, no, no. Here, here's, here's why I'm saying this. Here's why I'm saying this. Into Darkness and Discovery. Well, first, so Into Darkness, Into Darkness doesn't count because it's a different, it's a different timeline. It is. It's the Kelvin timeline. But here's the real issue that I, the, the, the the reason why I don't count it is because the only reason the Klingons looked the way they did in the old stuff is because they didn't have any money. Look, that's that's not my point. I'm not arguing canon. I've I'm saying I've seen four different versions of Klingons at this point, so I don't care okay. if they adapt them and all of a sudden they say, oh, this this group of people, their facial structure changes every, like, hundred years or so because of the nature of their physiology. Well, that That's would, fine. That wouldn't work for the timeline anyway. I don't so. care. Well, okay. Rachel, it been 117 years, okay? I am just going to fire myself. Look, look I, know, I know you guys are kind of making fun here a little bit, but they come up with their own bit. dates. They come up with their own names for this stuff in the show, and they make the visual changes. So if they're going to present us with this stuff, they are going to be held to those things. That's all I'm saying. We do the same thing for Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter. You did the same thing for American Gods. So we all do this. If you give us information, we're going to use said information. I think that's just natural. Yeah. Well, I feel like you're defending it more than you are anything else. That's why I brought it up. I was like, I don't. That's what defending I defending discovery. Yeah. I think given that the first season of TNG was as awkward and rocky as it no, was. No, I'm talking about the way the Klingons look specifically. Since that was oh, I don't think she had no, a problem. No, no, no. With. She's saying she doesn't have a problem with the way the Klingons look. She the has four a different looks. Was what the started the argument. Because it's, that's not really how that went down, is all. And so I don't... They like, have not looked for different four different times. I don't like when that's an excuse. My bad. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. You're not listening. What I'm saying is I don't like when that's an excuse for why we can just continue to change them whenever we want. Oh, okay. You're arguing I agree with that. canon. I'm just saying I don't care if they change it up because it's not that issue. It was the fact that they had... A bad makeup artist and bad makeup direction. Would it that make you is feel my issue. If they had done it the old way, it probably would have been easier for them to talk. <laughs> yes. So there you, you go. Do what you did with Worf. I mean, that's like, all you got to do. Season one of TNG, that nose looked like it was going to fall off ten different times. But season two, they had it down and they, they got were it fine. Better, yeah. yeah, they were fine. And the movies his makeup changed altogether, but. Yeah. But again, those are they had better budgets, better technology, and things like that. That's not why they look different. The in budget Discovery. is not what's wrong with Discovery, right? So, uh, but anyway, that's probably enough about Discovery and the Orville. Please, because tonight we are reviewing Kingsman: The Golden Circle. Before we dive into spoilers and details, give your spoiler-free thoughts on the movie. Solid action film, very, uh, keeps me interested from start to finish. I feel like it uh, did a lot of fun stuff. It had some missteps, and I'll go into that. So I'm going to go with C plus B minus, depending on whether or not I'm on my She's already dropping the grade. You're grading it now. We usually don't grade till the end after we've. Well, that's a little taste for them. They have to wait to hear Yeah, this is a non spoiler one. So. I'll get my grade again at the end and expand on it. Ryan? We already uh, did this last week, but uh, if you're a fan of the first one, you'll probably like it. It has its issues, but uh, I think it's still still fun if you're a fan of the first one. Fair enough. I'm, I'm basically where you guys are on that. It was a fun action film. It's got some great moments, um, but uh, I don't think it quite lived up to the original. So. Um, okay, well then we are going to go over the box office numbers and then we will dive into spoilers. 
So, um, Kingsman the Golden Circle came out opening weekend with a little over $39 million, which is not particularly good, uh, given its $100 million budget. And it, like, destroyed... I mean, it it has been doing incredibly well. Right. And that's what I admit. I'm not more saying that, like, it came in second place this weekend to Kingsman and... But to your point, though, it, it made uh, just under $30 million this weekend It in its third week. And that was a 50% drop-off from the week before. Right. That's so it made $60 million last weekend? Yeah. In its second week in theaters, right? And Kingsman on its opening weekend didn't even crack 40. So... Not a great sign. Maybe it's because the theaters were holding 100 seats for press. Again. This whole just, just during the, the yeah. normal screenings? Yeah, that just, I, don't, I don't think that's... Just the regular screenings, yeah. yeah. I don't think so, but uh, it did crack $100 million, uh, internationally over the five days if you run through uh, Monday. Um, so it's almost made back its 104 budget. Uh, the only movie it really had to contend with opening weekend was the new Lego Ninja movie. Which didn't, they only made about 20 million. Ninjago. Ninjago. Not Ninja. Sorry. Um, but it, it beat the first film by about $3 million for opening weekend. So, that's to be kinda... fair, when the first one came out, that was an unknown property. Yep. You know, it's not something that anybody really had heard of unless they were fans of the comic book. So, And it was a slow burn, too. It picked up and like tripled once it had released to DVD. Yeah, once DVD people saw that, it was good. And... And we it was actually, a February release, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, we didn't see it opening weekend either. We actually saw it the week after, which is very unusual for us and these kind of properties. So, yeah, but I, I didn't I hadn't, see it in theaters at all. I hadn't read the graphic novel, so I didn't really know what it was at the time. Either. Is it a graphic novel? So, I thought it, it was just a comic book series. There's um, a uh, series of graphic novels, I yeah. believe. It's like three or four by now. But, uh, yeah, so I mean, it, it did okay. I feel like it should have done better given how much people talk about the original one now. Uh, with that said, though, did, did everybody you guys talked to, did they know that, that this was a sequel to another movie? Because I talked to a lot of people who had no clue there was another one. I had, I had some people I talked, at least one person I talked to that didn't know it was out already. Oh, that was okay. The they knew it was coming, but they had no idea that it was this weekend. So that that's an issue. Interesting. My work office is notorious for Nicholas Sparks films, so I don't talk to them about movies generally. Good plan. Fair enough. My my friend at work who tries really hard to be into what I'm into just because she's my friend and she genuinely cares about me. She's like, so which superhero movie are you seeing this weekend? And that's what she says to me. So well, go, she tries. Just go in and ask them if they're team uh, Merlin or team Arthur. Why would you say it Is like it, that? No. No, that's not a thing. Isn't Nicholas Spark the Twilight stuff? Is that not the Twilight movies? Oh, God. I have no idea. That's the notebook stuff. Ah, that's not much better. It's uh, <laughs> white people find love in tragedy kind of thing. My bad. That, Come on, that's My bad. Spark. I was making a Twilight reference. So who wrote, Well, we just lost all our fans. Who is the Twilight, Twilight writer? Lovers. Uh, Stephanie Meyer. Meyer yeah, there you go. Wow, you just like, you had that right in your I pocket, I knew didn't the you? last one was the Meyer. <laughs> I have a lot of that up here. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, it's all good. What's your What's your favorite Twilight book, Ryan? I was forced to go see those movies the time they came out, at least the first two, and I don't want to talk about it. Right, fair enough. All right, so let's dive into spoilers. So at this point, if you haven't seen it and you care, pause and come back later. Um, where would you guys like to start? I don't know. I wrote on here the cast, plot, and special effects, but those things are gone now on my list, so mm -hmm. we can just... Uh, Start wherever you want, since you edited my outline. Okay, well, I didn't. I just threw this one together, so I didn't. I forgot to go look at the keep for once. I apologize. Um, Did that work like last week? All right, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hectic day. Um, so anyway, so let's let's start with kind of the uh, let's just start at the beginning of the movie. How did you guys feel about uh, Charlie returning and essentially being responsible for? blowing up all of Kingsman. Charlie returning was probably one of my favorite plot points because they kept it secret throughout the entire marketing. I had no idea he was going to be in it, so that was a cool surprise. The way they explained him living through the head blow blown off scene, how 
you know, he has this cool arm now. Like, they did a decent job retconning his death and moving forward. So, I, I liked him as one of the main antagonists. Right. It was fine. <laughs> I mean, I didn't really particularly love it. The okay. arm was cool, but, I mean, I didn't really care that much that he was in the first movie. I thought they could, probably could have just come up with something else. I feel like that's a general theme for this movie, is the throwbacks <laughs> of the first movie were some of the weakest parts for mm-hmm. me. So. That I agree with. I don't really like any of the others. I thought this was probably the best well done, the one that made the most sense, and everything else kind of flopped for me. There was there was some like little quips or like offhand remarks that were funny, but for, for the things that were like actual like we need to go back to the first movie right. and reference this so that they know it's a sequel and it's not its own thing, you know. That's... So. How did well, you guys feel about Tildy? I was just going to ask, because you seemed very happy about that relationship. I thought it was... If... Is she the princess? Yes. She is. Look, she's not the strongest actress, and it's a weird dynamic. However, I thought it said loads about his character, Eggsy's character, that that wasn't just a booty call with royalty. She means something to him and he continued something after that's what i loved about it because i thought it it demonstrated to us in such a good way what type of person eggsy is interesting interesting you read way more into that relationship than i did it's it yeah was i felt it fine. was a little forced just because they had to give him someone to care about but they didn't want to introduce a new character so they just picked someone from the old from the previous movie yeah, I mean, I guess I lean to more towards that than 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 what Rachel found in that specifically. Like, I just I didn't think it was necessary. I mean, it's cool, I guess. I mean, it's whatever. I it did, we didn't have to learn a new character, which is fine. But in the first one, she wasn't really more than set dressing, you know, just uh, the butt of the joke, but you I'm know, sh- literally. <laughs> uh, That's what everybody remembers her making the. Uh, the butthole joke and then turning over on her stomach. But she was in quite a bit more of the film. Like, was she it? had three or four more scenes. Yes. I guess. Like yes, she was. She was. Jail cell, cell, and like... That was one. She went to dinner with Valentine and her advisor. And yeah. then she watched him get the implant in his neck while yeah. she was kind of, like, trapped and stuff. So she had other scenes in the movie. She wasn't just a naked butt. No, no, you're, you're right. You're right. Uh, but at, the thing is, is that really at the end of the day, those two characters never really had any relationship in the movie. So I feel like what happened here, and, and to Jordan's point in chat, he's saying he wishes that Eggsy would have gotten with Roxy. That would have been better for me. See, here, here's why I don't think that would have worked. You, you have two women characters in the first movie that continue on. And Eggsy, you want him to have a relationship with a woman who can be in distress for him to be stressed out about and want to save or have bad relationship issues with and things like that to give him something to throw him off his game. You don't want to spend any time introducing a new character because the budget is a little tight. It's only $104 million, and think about some of the actors that are in this movie, right? It's a tight budget. Um, so you use an existing character. Well, Roxy is another agent. I don't think it would have been appropriate for two agents to have a relationship together. I think that the whole Kingsman organization would have had a problem with that, and it would have been unprofessional. So you go with the other character available, who's the princess. And I don't think that that made a whole lot of sense to me. I think, okay, so this kind of leads into another point for me, is that the first first Kingsman was more of... Uh, an homage or a sa- even you could go far as satire for like the James Bond mm-hmm. thing, um, and which was great, a fresh take on a superhero or a super like secret agent type thing. Um, but then the second one was more of a parody of it than than it was a satire or, or an homage. And in James Bond movies, James Bond always gets the girl right at the end, yeah. And he did in the first movie. In the second movie, he's now like engaged to the girl or in like a serious relationship with the girl you know i mean that that's kind of part of it for me too it kind of set up that okay this is not like the first one which i kind of had a problem with because i liked the fresh take of the first one it was something new and fresh and they could have gone in that direction Mm -hmm. with it but instead they went in 
what I think was not as good direction. I do feel like some of the relationship really was just filler because the rest of the movie, I mean, the relationship is only significant because he has to kind of fool around with another woman as part of the mission. And if he's not in a relationship, then it doesn't matter. He's just the single guy who has to fool around with somebody, but they wanted to kind of make it a hot button issue. And so they kind of wrapped in this subplot, this B plot uh, for the film. But that's just kind of my take on it. I disagree. I, I, and this is one of the very first times I've noticed that we have a huge difference of opinion (laughs) because of our gender identities. Okay. Um, I don't think that the relationship was just there to, uh, have that weird rocky situation. I think that uh, situation with the uh, Charlie's ex and the the mucus membrane, whatever. We'll get to that. Yeah. So <laughs> I I think that was a really poor writing and you know a, a terrible way to just cause issues. However, I thought that. Um, Tildy served, and her foray into recreational drugs served as a way for Exe to really come into his own as a hero. He no longer has Harry to depend upon because in this movie, even though Harry's back, he can't do anything. He's either an amnesiac or he's not coordinated yet. And he doesn't really become a help until the very last couple of scenes. And, like, I felt that Eggsy had to lose everything. And that included a solid relationship. That included his best friend. That included his friend Brandon. Like, that included a lot throughout the movie. He just kept losing thing after thing after thing. And Tildy was very apparent that she was his most important thing in his life and once he lost her because of the job then he he really i don't know he showed his character so i I get that this is what they were going for i guess it just didn't resonate with me um it's because you don't have a vagina and I don't usually point that out, but I feel like it fair. does. Because there's a lot of, of movies. Of course where, you don't, because well, no, you're a man. Because there's a lot of movies where there's a lead character who loses everything, and that's when they show their true selves. And it has resonated with me in the past. I don't think this one resonated. This with one me. was super apparent, though. They killed off two of his friends and his dog. It was apparent like, what they were trying to. The do. second or third scene. Like, I think it's the way it all happened, right? Like, they, they blow up the house. You don't really see them die. They, they just blow up a bunch of buildings really quickly back to back. And then this relationship he has with Tilda is relatively new for us, right? Like, because prior to this movie, they've they've only really shared a but few But that's sentences. why they don't have the issue between the couple at the very beginning. It's in the, like, end of the second act. You're, you're right. I'm just saying that... I, the way he loses everything didn't feel emotional enough for me. And this is coming from a guy who gets emotional watching, like, Star Trek and Parks and Rec sometimes, right? Like, I'm not saying I got emotional. I'm saying I picked up on it. That's, that's fine. I'm just saying it didn't resonate with me. Mm. It's not the same thing as saying I didn't get it. It's because you don't have a vagina there. I guess so. Now, in chat, Jordan still is saying that he thinks Rock, Roxy would have been uh, a better fit because then they kind of have that the workplace issues and things like that of balancing uh, their kind of two sides of their lives together. Um, how do you guys think that that might have played out? I think it would have been better than what they did. The the drama created by him, like, having to have this dinner and pretend he knows things because he has somebody feeding him the information in his ear uh, would have been, I think that, I like the competition the mucous membrane thing was kind of too far, but that the leading up to that, the competition between the guys to see which one could, you know, be better at this thing. I think that would have been cool as a couple thing too, between him and Roxy. Like there could have been a, a situation where they had to compete to see who was the better agent between the two of them. Obviously they both have different skill sets. Right. Um, but I think that would have been more interesting than, than the dinner with 
royalty where he had to pretend to be smart, smarter than he is or more knowledgeable than he really is. Ray? If this was the first movie, I completely agree. I thought the two characters were bound for a hookup in the beginning anyway because of them being close to each other as well as um, the two most competent agents. I figured, like, right after Charlie was gone in the first one, that he got exited or escorted out, that the two of them just would have had, like, a one-night stand kind of thing. Hmm. However... Do you know how rare it is to have a female character be a solid best friend to a male character in a movie and it not be a sexual thing? Like, there's no, she wants him, he wants her. That was incredibly cool. That never happens. Ever. And they were just complete best friends. And killing her off was a huge disservice to the film. It... Say Tilly wasn't in it at all. He didn't need a romance if he had a really good best friend, too, helping him out. And then say they kill Roxy off at the end of the movie instead of Merlin. That's heartbreaking. You see, you know, if he loses his best friend, he loses his dog in the beginning, his best friend at the end. That's a heartbreaking, like, film right there. That's your moment of emotional guts. But, I mean, Ryan and I are best friends. We're very close. We don't have any sexual anything between us. We never have. But we can trust each other. We help each other with our projects, just like Roxy and Eggsy did. And that's really cool, because this is real life. That was real life. And they killed her off because of plot device. And I think it was a huge misstep. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with you. Killing her off, I feel like, is just a giant waste um they clear it felt like they just didn't want to use her character but they couldn't just have her not exist right right so they just had to kill her off and there was a brief moment where like when she realizes the missile's coming and she leaps off the bed that i thought maybe she would have like found some you know hiding in the refrigerator way of surviving and all of a sudden in the third act she's a a mcguffin so so it's possible right and the the truth is i would have taken a totally like ridiculous survival than over her actually being dead because I think it's a giant. Well, I'm sure they'll find a way to bring her back in the third movie. I hope so, but I don't see why they would because they could have used her in this one really well. So, side note: after that scene, how dare these jerk offs make me watch Albus Dumbledore die again? How oh, yeah. dare they? That was sad. Too. I had to watch that one more time. This is unacceptable. Like, <laughs> don't you hire Albus Dumbledore just to kill him off a second time? <laughs> you are the worst. At least he's like a high-ranking good guy both times. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. We haven't even talked about Harry and Merlin and the Statesman, and we're probably halfway we're, through. Yeah, we're halfway through. We're, we're getting there. We're getting there. So, all right. Let, let's talk then for a minute about statesmen because we'll we'll get we can get to Harry and and uh, Merlin a little bit. Statesman later. was stupid. It was a damn joke. My least favorite part. <laughs> I love the statesman. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was great. I mean, uh, the thing is, uh, so at first when I started seeing the previews, I was like, okay, this is almost offensive, <laughs> right? How they're portraying Americans, but like the way they portray the British guy, I mean, that's fairly like stereotypical of it what is. Americans think of them. So I didn't have as much of a problem with it in the movie. And I thought, I mean, yes, it's Jeff Bridges and everybody Doing loves Jeff Bridges. Doing a silly voice. Doing a silly voice. Which is and what he's Channing done Tatum. in his last like eight movies. I love that man so much. I, Jeff Bridges, not Channing Tatum. I actually <laughs> like both of them. I think Channing Tatum is great. I think he's really underrated Channing lately. Channing Tatum 21 was Jones Street, wasted Street in this film. He was wasted. They literally put him on ice. They Han soloed his ass at the beginning of the film, not so even at the end. Apparently there was a scheduling issue of some kind and his character was originally intended to be in more of the film and something happened. It seems unclear as to what and he wasn't available as much as he was there. And instead we got Oberon Martell. So, um, but I I thought that, that Jeff Bridges' character uh, was a ton of champ. Uh, champagne was a ton of fun. Yeah. I mean... The statesman as a whole is a, a ton of fun, in my opinion. I mean, the whole the whole idea that each country has their own kind of secret agent clique is neat. I'm curious to see more of what it's like. The uh, schools in Harry Potter, like yeah. you know, they have one school here, they have one school in America. You know, I think I'm interested to see what all the schools 
what's the uh, you know the Japan? Japan, do we just yeah, agree Japan. that Japan would be the best. Yes, like, that's what they need to go with. Do you, think, do you think in Japan? Do you think they would be like super high tech? It would be a tech be, company. Or do you think, think they would all be like ninjas? No, it would be like a samurai thing. It's a combo of both. All of these are martial first, artists mixed with something. First of all, ninjas are Chinese, not Japanese. Yes. If I remember right. Um, also, I think they would be more samurai, like tech samurai, than they would. Uh, I know samurai were Japanese. Yeah. Okay? Samurai, samurai so, and ninjas are okay. Chinese. Well, maybe so. Either way, I think that it would be cool if they were more like tech tech samurai type. Like they I had similar samurai a, armor a, and a sword. Tech company, like maybe they are Apple in. If we're using like lassos in America, right? right? They so should be using katanas. In, I completely uh, yeah. agree. With maybe that. they're Nintendo. No, they're not Nintendo, Derek. Get over it. Wait, but they could be a Nintendo-like It company. has to end in man, so... <laughs> does it, though? That automatically removes your theory. I don't think it does, though, because yeah. in, in Japan... Unless it's Mega Mans. <laughs> that, that might Ultra, be what it is. Ultra, Ultra Mans. Mans. <laughs> Bomber Mans. Ultraman already, yeah, he's already a thing. Um, but it's, it's, it's a different... It's a very different culture in Japan than, than here or in England. The whole, the whole kind of joke about statesmen and kingsmen is they are cousins because there's culture similarities more so than in other other comparisons right so you know i think that was just the natural conclusion was to go with something like the statesman i love that it was a whiskey company because of course it is right um well at least it wasn't something overly offensive you know I mean, look, I'm, I'm kind of at a point. I'm not sure what they would have needed to do to offend me as an American because I feel like we deserve whatever's coming. But that's probably true. You know, so I don't know what they possibly could have picked that would have been offensive to me. Um, but I, I like the idea that they were trying to be lucrative and they had a lot more money than the you know the suit making guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, how did how did you guys feel about Halle Berry's character? I liked her. She was fine. Ginger? She was my favorite member of the Statesman. Yeah? And I was happy when she got to be an agent, and that's what I want to look forward to. I want to see her do action sequences again, because let's I mean, face it. Catwoman, right? Right. But the special effects were bad in that, and her acting was bad in that. And the basketball her, was bad in that. Her literal movements were not bad. <laughs> like, I, I Except like, for the basketball scene. That was... One of the worst scenes in cinema history. Well, oh God. anyway, she is an Academy Award winning actor, so we know she has yeah. the abilities. Um, I, I, prefer, I prefer Ginger. to use the term actor. Okay. They're all actors. Um, I thought she was good. I mean, I, was, I enjoyed her character. I think that some more of my problem with this movie is that it is entirely too predictable. I yes. mean, as soon as they bring up, have you ever been to the field or, you know, I was like, okay, she's going to get a promotion by the end of the movie because they don't bring up a line like that without oh, it, see, it paying off. I didn't see it paying off that way. I saw it paying off the way it did for Merlin where it was, you know, have you ever been to the field? And he's like, well, it's really important that we're here. And of course he ends up being well, the it was a double thing. Day. Yeah. Well, so. it was a, you know, that he's gets out to the field and dies, but she's, you know, I, I but I didn't see that. Oh, okay. That's all, that's all I'm saying. I only saw you didn't see his, side. his death. I didn't see his death. I saw him going in the field. I didn't see her. I knew he was going to die as soon as he put on the suit. Yep. I was like, that guy's going to die. And that sucks because I really like that actor. Mark Strong, right? Yes. Yeah, he's great. I loved him. I've loved him since Kick-Ass. And I, yeah, I mean... I'm not trying to like be I'm better than you because I saw it coming. No, I'm just no, no, saying like no, no, as soon no, as he put on the suit, it was I, very predictable. It bums me out because I love I love his character. His character yeah, might be my absolutely. favorite part of these two movies as, as a whole. Much as it sucks to watch him go out, and even like the next day, I was still really upset they did it. That was the coolest death scene. I the next day, I wanted to rewatch that death scene. That's what it was, <laughs> it was for me. so good. Has and he him ever? Singing, yeah, like, has he ever been uh, in a musical? I don't think so. Because he has a great freaking voice. <laughs> better than what I expected, Sinestro. Astro to have like that's another unfortunate character for him that I would have loved to have seen continued because um, he was the best part of that movie yeah he would have been an amazing Sinestro antagonist uh, anyway but uh, so let's talk then about about Merlin um, obviously Mark Strong just nails it he does a great job in both movies um, his expanded role in this film was much appreciated I loved him very much from beginning to end. He was a lot of fun. I, I, I love the way he joined in with Eggsy's cussing. Like, Eggsy has a mouth on him, and every once in a while Merlin would do it too. <laughs> and it was great. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I pretty much said most of what I yeah. what I think about the character. I, I love Mark Strong. He's one of one of the actors I look forward to seeing in movies uh, nowadays, especially Matthew Vaughn films because he seems like he does a lot of those. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought the way that I thought it was sucked. Uh, it was how predictable it was that he was going to die, but it was you know a fitting send off. It ended up being the way they the way they did it was was well done. I thought. It was a great scene. I really, like, he put everything into it. It was perfect. He's definitely my favorite part of the movie. Um, More than Jeff Bridges? Yeah. I mean, I love Jeff Bridges. I mean, I, I have... His part's not that big. Yeah. No, he's, he's a glorified he's, cameo. Yeah, maybe much. he'll have a bigger part in the third one or something, depending on the situation. But, you know, Merlin, Mark Strong, is just, he's in most of the movie. He has a lot going on. He's more influential to the plot and the other characters. And... He's just my favorite part of the movie. I, I, it really, um, as much as Roxy's death was a waste, um, Merlin's death is also a disappointment because you know he won't be in the next one. Yeah, either, there's so. no coming back from that one. There's no magic uh, space boot that's going to make him, ex- you know, survive an explosion. Yeah, like that. that's not. I mean, he was completely dismembered, but he yeah. took out five guys, four with the explosion, and one just previously, for like fun. just just for fun. And, yep. You know, he's singing Country Road the entire time like a badass. It was great. It was amazing. And he had planned it the whole time. He knew that it was going to go down this way. The thing that there is an aspect to his death that actually bothers me quite a bit. Um, And it's the fact that they, they, they threw out a line earlier in the movie when the lawyer shows up that they can just shut off the landmines whenever they want to. Right? And it doesn't make sense to me that these guards would walk directly to where they know the landmines are and not turn them off. Yeah, I mean, that's that a makes point. sense. I hadn't really thought about also, that. Also, this is a tech yes. spy thing. Like, there's not one little techno babble you can throw out to save this or just. If they mark... had Felicity from Arrow, <laughs> she would have been able to handle that no problem. She could have rerouted to a whole other city. And yeah, she could have blown up a city instead yeah. of uh, the actor. instead and of Mark Strong. She could have thrown an iPad and taken out all five of those guys with that. Think yeah. of all the hacking that these guys do. Think of all the technology yeah. these guys have in just the first movie, let alone in this one on top of it. And you're, they didn't even try and turn off the landmine. No. While they were in hiding and nobody knew they were there. And then the guards don't shut it off either. So we're, they're just going to keep walking and grab the guy and blow themselves. Like if To be if, fair, they may not have known the, like, she's obviously like a, a cutting edge robotics person that yeah. uses all this stuff. So maybe like those landmines aren't something that they're familiar with. Like they don't know. Maybe they think it's a traditional landmine that is, you can't just hack a normal landmine. The Maybe the Kingsmen. That's right? what I'm saying. And they're the ones dealing with it. They didn't bother to but check. the guards. Right. But the guards makes no sense because they already shut them off for the lawyer. So these guys are walking up to this dude. They're not shooting him from far away. They're walking up to him. Are they going to try and arrest him and take him off the landmine and blow themselves up? Well, they didn't know he was standing on a landmine, probably. But they knew the landmines were there yeah. because the movie established that. Right. All right, so we need to talk about Harry and Poppy. Yes. Um, let's go with Poppy first. I didn't like her. No? No. Man, we're really split on this. Yeah, I, I love Julianne Moore, and I thought she was great. She was so fun and, and just really just psychotic. Uh, she just... Didn't sell it for me the way that Samuel L. Jackson did. I thought her entire character was driven by exposition. Like, I I guess I'm a little tired of the villain immediately like disclosing their plan to everybody, <laughs> kidnapping Elton John, and him playing a fictionalized version of himself was just too much for me too. And uh, like, it's one thing to have him play Benny and the Jets over and over again. It's another thing to have him jump and kick somebody in the face. That was too far. There's a couple moments that the movie goes a little too far. But she was just literally sentence after sentence of exposition. And the very first scene where she makes this guy kill and eat his friend, that's badass. That is like... Top level <laughs> psycho villainry. And then after that, it's just like, oh, sweetie, how's your arm? Let me get you a new one. Here's my crazy robot dogs. And oh my God, all my drugs. I just, just want to sell my drugs. And I'm going to hit you. <laughs> so I just, I liked Valentine a lot better than Poppy. That's all. Okay. I, I found the characters actually very similar, uh, except that Valentine can't really. 
he can't follow through with a lot of his things, right? Because he doesn't like violence and all of that. He had more depth to it. So, did he? I thought so. I thought he had more character explanation, more character traits. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's a little different because they had the opportunity to, to talk to him as, you know, not in an antagonistic way at the dinner scene with McDonald's. That was so fun. They didn't have that opportunity in the sequel because Pothy is just straight up the bad guy the entire time. And she's isolated herself. So, right. like, what are they going to do? Have dinner with her in Cambodia? I mean, that was super James Bond, right? Like, that's, like, it's very stereotypical, like, Dr. Evil from Austin Powers kind of of trope, right? You, you buy an <laughs> island, you build your lair on the island with a bunch of disposable guards, right? Like, yeah. I mean, that was as James Bond as you get, I think. We're calling it the Alan Parsons project. <laughs> oh yeah. The Death Star. <laughs> no, Preparation H is going to be great. <laughs> it feels great on the whole. <laughs> yeah. No, I thought Poppy. I, I read some reviews um, from other sources before this, and, and Poppy not. was very divisive among critics. Um, I kind of fall in the camp that uh, the first movie's villain was super campy, um, very tropey, but it worked. Samuel Jackson pulled it off, um, and then this one was also super campy. I happen to be a huge fan of like the fifties kind of. Uh, visuals and aesthetics it was very fallout yes and i like that um and, and i thought julianne Moore, she's i she fell on my radar with evolution um which if you haven't seen that great movie great movie. spiritual successor to ghostbusters oh um, i never I've thought directed that. it yeah. first of all yeah. so that's a huge one uh, and if you watch go back and watch the movie with that in your brain and, and it'll all make sense God, i love for, that movie. for the record I have always believed that Julianne Moore and Jillian Anderson should play sisters in a film. That'd be great. <laughs> I, I bought her as Poppy. That's the long and the short of it. Like, I thought she was great. Right, that first scene where she made the guy eat his friend was right away you established that, okay, she is more villainy than Samuel L. Jackson was. A little bit. Um, in turn, like, as far as a straight up, you're scared of this person. Because we weren't scared of Samuel L. Jackson. We were scared of his... his uh, a sword-legged assistant <laughs> yeah, or whatever, right. bodyguard. Um, and the, But in this one, you were straight-up scared of Poppy because of the stuff she's done. And, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, you've seen her just people, let people die behind her because of a disease that she inflicted on them, and, you know. I think that's why I liked Poppy more as a villain was just because if you took away her help, she would still kill you. Yeah. But Valentine wouldn't. Right. Because he doesn't have the stomach for it. Right. Right, he has to hide behind all his. Which technology. that was a cool character right. development. Yeah, but yeah, I'm not saying that it made for a bad character by any means. I I I love Valentine. The first the first Kingsman movie is a phenomenal movie. Yeah, um, I just found Poppy to be a more menacing villain. Right, she didn't need a bunch of you know bodyguards or anything because she was scary on her own. Although the robot dogs were cool. Those were cool. I like the <laughs> they were I like the robot dogs. Yeah. Um, now in chat, uh, Jordan was was not really a fan of Poppy. It sounds like thought she was just a little too crazy. Um, and he wants to know why, like, in, in both movies, like, the world leaders just never care about what's going on. Or they're completely compliant. I think it's supposed to be, like, the way the, the president in this one was portrayed was supposed to be somewhat relative to the way our current <coughs> president is in office. I think it was kind of trying to amplify that, too. Yeah. Well, if the situation happened and we had a bunch of drug users getting ready to die, what would our current president do? And I think yeah. that Matthew Vaughn kind of used that. Tell those it? sons of bitches to get off the world. Yeah, basically. Um, <sighs> so, a little bit going back to Whiskey, because we didn't really talk about him. His oh, yeah. turn at the end, I thought, felt forced. It wasn't... It, it kind of was shoehorned in there, and I honestly was wishing... That it was because he was a double agent. I think if he had been working for Poppy, it would have been way cooler of a twist. I I never would have seen that coming. But instead, he just hates drug users. Well, because like, if he's if he works for Poppy, you don't need a story. You just need that line. I work for Poppy, and then that's it, right? But in this case, there's his wife or girlfriend was shot by some drug dealer guys, and now he hates anybody who uses drugs and will kill millions of people to prove a point. Like, yeah, that made no sense to me. Yeah. That was way too far, right? And since that's, that's the statesman that we basically get to see the most, yeah, that mm -hmm. was disappointing. I loved the, you know, 
action scenes we got with him were Holy cool. Um, and but we and we haven't talked about Matthew Vaughn, but we so we need to do that. But um, you know, yeah, to have him turn out to be a, a, a such a weak character because of this one thing. Yeah, yeah, that was the yeah. Him being sure. a double agent would have been ten times better if you wanted to have him be a villain. Like if you just agree, yeah. wanted to have the three of them fight, because it would have been a badass fight. Because apparently Pedro Pascal is a fantastic, you know, stuntman and martial artist, and I had no idea. Like it's just that because of this now, if you look at the people we meet from Statesman, half of them are like no good. One of them's a druggie, and the other one's really just a bad guy. Yeah, and not even like a double agent bad guy, just personally a bad guy. Yeah. Um, which kind of makes Statesman look really bad in yep. the grand scheme of things, um, compared to Kingsman anyway. Of course, you know, the original um, um, Arthur had been... A bad guy. A bad guy, right? But, uh, you know, that was one guy, and it wasn't most of the well, team. Well, what's a spy movie without so, having some of that kind of stuff? Yeah, so. you're right. But I just think it was just a weak twist, and it... it it, Atomic Blonde handled that spy within a spy within a spy so much better, I think, than the spy movie did, and, and definitely two different vibes from the movies. But it, I, I just, I'm gonna say it for a third time, and then we can move on. But Whiskey should have been a double agent and not just this guy with a grudge. Well, what it did was it threw me off. Maybe this was on purpose. It threw me off with Harry's whole storyline because yep. it had me wondering if Harry had been brainwashed and was a bad guy or something. Because that would have been cool too. Because it did. Neither one of them made a lot of sense for why either one of them would want all these people to die. But it made less sense for Whiskey since he's been an active agent. So in my head, I'm like, they're gonna make Harry the bad guy in this. That's crazy. And then they had the really lame reason for why it's really Whiskey, and yeah. I just didn't see that. Uh, how'd you guys feel about Harry? Harry is alive. Colin Firth returns. They should have just left him dead. Like, yeah. Colin Firth is great, and I loved Harry in the first one, but the way they got to him being uh, coming back was, just, I thought it was just dumb. It was probably the worst part of the movie for me. It was wasted. They could have used that movie to develop any other character, and it would have probably been better. Roxy and Merlin. Yeah. Or, yeah, any of the statesmen. Um, I kind of figured when Harry came back that they were going to kill off Merlin because it's really hard to have two people serve the same function, and Merlin and Harry served... The function of mentor. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. I I thought Colin Firth acted the crap out of that film. He had a really sketchy storyline to go through. And he acted very well through being an amnesiac. Being, I don't remember the term, but a butterfly scientist. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then being an agent again. That was really cool to watch him do that. Now, it was Beck. <laughs> Bringing him back, the whole storyline, had it been any other actor, it probably wouldn't have been as good. I mean, Taron Egerton is great, but giving him that role, if they had killed off Eggsy in the last one and brought him back, it wouldn't have been nearly as interesting. Yeah, it kind of... It, it, it kind of reminds... And I, I know I'm going to get a little bit of flack for this. Uh, it kind of reminded me a bit of, of Star Trek Three, where they killed off a character that it turned out everybody really loved and didn't want to live without, and then had to just change a bunch of rules to bring them back. Yeah. Right? And that's kind of what happened here. That You had to spend half the movie, basically, to bring this character back that I guess you shouldn't have killed off in the first one. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, it didn't add to the story or, you know, aid the story in any way, having to deal with Harry coming back. I mean, so, I mean, it was confusion. most of the story. That was the issue. Yeah. Right, but you that, removed but it didn't that. Aid and... like the main no. plot. At no, all. It, it, it caused a stupid with subplot. Was, yeah, right. And then you you were able to kind of have throwbacks to the first movie in alternate ways, like the bar scene. Yeah, right. Where you're like, oh, he's gonna do the big throwdown again, and you know he doesn't have his depth perception, you know, right, and things like that. Um, all it did was make for complications, and maybe that was the point. But uh, overall, I mean, I'm glad he's back, and I and hopefully he's back to his normal self in the third movie. But the way he was brought back was just not a not super um, consistent, I guess. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about a couple of scenes that maybe went a little too far, and there's one in particular that I think we should probably touch on. I got a, that fingering scene was too much. <laughs> like you. 
How many times have we seen the close-up of the stomach when we know something's going to go down sexually in a movie? How many times do we see the panties and then inside the vagina? Like, that, too far. Too, too far. I kept watching it going, like, it's going to stop now. It's going to stop now. They're still going. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was a little much. Um, yeah, it, it was definitely a weird scene. We're all grown adults. We've all seen porn. Like, we get it. We know what's happening. But, but that was awkward for porn. <laughs> right. Right? Like, it was just, it just felt so stretched out. How do you out. think that girl felt? Like, they had to do a CGI version of the inside of her vagina? Like Seriously. Yeah, that would have some fancy camera work. How do you think that conversation went with the artists? Like, all right, so we have this scene we need you guys to do. Oh, okay, well, what, what is it? It's the inside of a vagina. Okay. We've never seen they spent one of those. months. We're not kind of they spent months <laughs> doing the CG on that scene. Imagine being that guy. That, that was your thing day every you day. You go into work. What'd you what do you do today? You're work, on today? You got kids at home. No, so, Dad. What's your project right now? It's just a movie. <laughs> some, some animation. It, it definitely felt like they stretched out and elongated that scene much farther than they needed to just yep. to like prove that they could do it in an R-rated movie. Yep. Right? Like I feel like they did that and they're like, all right, if they push us to NC-17, we'll cut it earlier is how that conversation went. And then this, nobody stopped them. <laughs> the studio all went to go get popcorn at that time. <laughs> they all were like, all right, it's fine. And I don't, I don't think it should have pushed the rating. I'm not trying to say no, that. No, I'm not. I, I do think that like, it served no visual purpose. Yes, totally I got the point. I got the idea. It was totally unnecessary. It was a weird scene. Yeah, I mean, Matthew Vaughn does that. I mean, he, he's a, he's one of my favorite directors right Agreed. now. Agreed. Um, but, but even in, like, Kick-Ass, which was one of his earlier movies, he would show, was showing stuff in the fight scenes. Uh, a little girl that was cursing like a sailor, sailor and murdering entire groups of people. And, you know, in, in a lot of... I don't know how to describe it. In a lot of fight scenes, you can tell when there's about to be a cut, right? Something violent is happening off screen. You hear the crack of a bone and you don't see it. But in this, you were seeing like a limb, a guy getting cut yeah. through, and then two pieces just go by a, by an eight-year-old girl, right? And yeah. so he's always kind of done stuff like that. This one was a, li- a little bit felt like he was just trying to do it for the sake of doing it. And yeah. unnecessarily, but yeah, I mean, he I tries. Feel I feel like when like the studio gives Matthew Vaughn an R-rated movie, he's like, <gasps> yes. like kid in the candy oh, store. Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay, these weapons. We're gonna have a guy with an arm that can do this thing with his wrist, and it makes a whole different. I did like that. He's yeah, very creative in his fight scenes. And... No, 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 and that's the thing. Like, I think the fight scene stuff in Kickass makes a little more sense because. All you're doing is showing more detail of the fight. Right. Right? So you're just providing more content for that thing. But in this case, this was about he had to, uh, you know, basically plant a chip inside this woman's vagina. And that's fine. I don't think, like, if you were confused by that, if they had cut the scene at, like, the belly button. Yeah. Right? Like, my question is... Who did you pick up on the rest of that scene who were lost before then? (laughs) I I can just imagine the guy sitting in the theater going... Oh, okay. It's in the vagina, <laughs> right? Like that's like so. That's what it looks like. I mean, that it, it kind of felt like a less comfortable ending of like The Dark Knight Rises, where yeah. it's like Michael Caine's you know drinking at a French cafe, and he kind of like oh, and then you end the movie there. But for the people who didn't understand why he was excited, we're going to show you Batman and Catwoman. Yeah, right. It was like that, but weirder. Yeah. And the thing is, Matthew Vaughn is a brilliant director. I, I Stardust is in my top ten favorite films. Also, beautiful, gorgeous, cinematic, brilliant fight scenes. Directed and the Mark best X-Men Strong. film, right? So. First Class is insane. I feel like if First Class hadn't been good, we wouldn't have X-Men nowadays because Brett Ratner destroyed it. Uh, Like, Matthew Vaughn is fantastic. I think there are some examples where he goes too far. But he he always pushes the envelope. That's just kind of something he does. Yeah, this one, I think somebody should have at some point gone, okay, do we really need to, like, have some animators spend three weeks animating the inside of a vagina? I mean, the budget was tight to begin with, so... Yeah, um, but yeah, it's not like I'm offended by it or anything. But I, I do feel like maybe that scene was just a little, uh, a little too much. Yeah, for what I agree. And, uh, 
Elton John just gets more ridiculous every time he's See, I didn't in there. have a problem with Elton John. Like, the kick thing the, was a little the much. The air kick, but the But, see, um, my girlfriend that we went with, she said that she had a problem with the amount of cursing that Elton John was doing and things like that. See, I didn't have as much of a problem with that. I thought well, that, you know, I guess if you grew up with Elton John and you didn't know or didn't think about him in that way, it might be a little, like, jarring. See, but... but- it's like no. the first time so he's playing he a fictional version of himself. That's so going to bother me because he has been like that at every award show over the last 10 years. Anytime he wins an award, he'll go up there and curse out Madonna because he hates her or something like that, you know? And it's just constant F-bombs when he receives an award now. So that I wasn't too charmed. But that man cannot do any action scenes ever. Just ever. He just... The, the language stuff never bothers me. Like, the first time I watched, uh, you know, a, a movie where, like, you know, Patrick Stewart cursed or something like that. Like, Green Room? Uh, no. It the was fir- a joke. Okay. You Safe seen. House. Safe House was the first time I, I heard him uh, really curse. Anyway, uh, it, it, it's for a moment, it's like, oh, did that just happen? But, like, it's never been, like, a negative <laughs> thing for me. It makes me feel like those people are a little more relatable, that they're actually just human beings. And Except that in this case, he was apparently a superhero. Yeah, right. I mean, that, again, that's another Holding example. Back the though, whole right? time, like, he was. I really loved his character until he does the jump kick because you know he's been indignant and he's been confident and he's tried to stand up for himself, but he's also doesn't want to get killed. And, right, right. But then he's all of a sudden like a superhero martial arts guy or something like that, and that's like it totally took me out of the movie. But the way he, like, stood in front of the dog to kind of... That was great. That was cool, yeah. Yeah. That was really cool. I liked that. I love that, like, little, you know, callback to earlier in the movie. I love that. I thought that was awesome. Um, But again, like, those two scenes, though, the, you know, the the vagina scene and the Elton kick scene, both of those scenes took me out of the movie. Because they both felt like they didn't belong. Yeah. You know? They were scenes from a different film that I probably wouldn't have watched. (laughs) I mean, if it's just a bunch of sex and Elton John kicking people, I mean, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, that sounds about right for you. <laughs> All right. Derek's so, ideal film. <laughs> my ideal film, yep. Um, anyway, so I think that's uh, probably it. You guys want to give your letter grades? B minus C plus. You're not going to specifically pick one? you got to pick one. It depends on how angry I am that day, I guess. Oh, okay. Right. I don't know. I want to rewatch it. We had a very bad experience watching it, so I kind of want to go see it again under a more ideal circumstance. And Yeah. I know. mean, that's why we haven't really talked special effects or anything, because we had to sit in the front row, and that was a little uncomfortable and hard to, to see things particularly well. So I didn't want to speak to the special effects. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, I would probably say C plus, but again, I want to I want to go see it again, uh, not in the very front row. Um, yeah, I, I think that everything we've talked about pretty much it was it was a slightly better than average movie, not anywhere near as good as the first one. It's a solid sequel. I like that he has a plan. I think it's over ambitious. I know he has a plan for the third movie. The graphic novel Kingsman Red Diamond just came out, so. That could be the basis for it. The fact that he wants to do statesman films kind of throws me. I'm not quite sure if we're ready for that. But they did get a solid cast to be the statesman, so why not? Yeah, I mean, if it's they Jeff could, Bridges and Halle Berry, I'll watch And Channing it. Tatum, they can hold their own film, just the three of them. Yeah. So, all right, I have a fun question for you. I didn't oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. My I realized that as soon as, yeah. So I'm actually going to agree with Jordan in chat and give it a B-. minus. Um, you know, I think we're, we're all fairly close to how we feel about that, but um, because of the cast and how much I really love that those characters and enjoyed myself i'm gonna give it a b minus cool okay go ahead so what would be your kingsman handle if you got to choose and what would be your statesman handle following the knights of the round table and liquor well my statesman handle i guess would be root beer dang you did that's exactly what i was gonna be i guess there was uh, (laughs) i don't agree is ginger ale because she doesn't go on the field well not so wait, because... let me explain. my my kingsman handle would be merlin i want to be the techie guy i want to okay. be the guy that hacks everything and solves all the stuff okay i love that all right all right yeah i don't know i feel like lancelot would probably be uh, that's cool 
uh, what I would go for for the Kingsman and, and Statesman. I don't drink, so I don't really relate to any alcohol. But uh, yeah, I mean, I pick a random one, Jaeger bomb. That's I guess what I, <laughs> I don't even know what that is, but I'm sure it's something good. Well, Jordan is vodka. I so. would have chosen vodka as well. Um, and, and there's a lot of what we didn't get to and meet. He, he wants to see uh, China's version of this, and he wants the leader to be uh, Jackie Chan. <gasps> That'd be pretty freaking sweet. Yeah. <laughs> I would and watch And Michelle that. Yao. Oh, yeah. Lucy Liu, get her as the... Yes. Somebody. Yes, well, all she three could of be, them. Yeah, she could all be the All three of them together. Agent. Let's do this. That would be sweet. I'd watch that film. Yeah, totally. That'd be awesome. All right, so uh, let us know what you thought of Kingsman. Of course, you can join us. Guinevere. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. What alcohol would you be? Vodka. Said vodka. Vodka, I'm sorry. Gua- vodka and Guinevere, or whatever. <laughs> I was my. I was. You were going to combine and was, create a yeah, couple's name. That was what was happening there. Um, but uh, let us know what you thought of the movie. You can uh, join us every Tuesday night live at 9 p.m. Eastern at Twitch.tv/HeroesPodcasts. What are we talking about next week? you know the topic? I'll let you look it up. Um, you can comment uh, about your thoughts on the movie or other episodes at Heroes Podcast on Twitter and Facebook. And go to HeroesPodcast.com to catch all of our other shows. We've got Gamer Heroes, which is a video game podcast. Red Shirts and Runabouts, our new Star Trek series. And Costume Couture, which is our uh, cosplay and costume-focused web series that is available also on our YouTube channel. Ray? Next week, we are reviewing all six episodes of The New Tick. Oh, yes. The Tick. The Tick. From Amazon. We need to rewatch that. So yep. we got to do that. So that'll be fun. That'll be a good time. So you can join us next week for that. And don't forget to check out Patreon.com slash Heroes Podcasts. Give us all your money. All the money. Or at least some of it. Uh, we have the majority some, of it is better. We have some public posts out there. And this Saturday, patrons get the first look at our first ever movie scene. Hint is from a Quentin Tarantino film. We won't tell you which one, but if you're a patron, you get a behind-the-scenes look right now. So go check that out, and we will catch you guys next time. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.